0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Corey. Uh, I am the lead pastor here at Third Street Community Church. And it is my honor and great privilege to bring forward to you this morning the word of God. So, Lord, at this time, please give me clarity of speech. Allow these to be your words, not my own. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last summer, boy, that's just all the way bad right there, huh? Last summer, Rachel and I decided we were going to get a swing set for the backyard. We told Sarah, uh, our oldest daughter, that if she started going on the potty instead of her diaper, then we would get a swing set for the backyard. We bribe our kids. It's fine. Send me emails later. We had every intention of honestly getting the swing set anyway, like full-on intention, like already ordered and everything, but decided to use it as a motivational tactic um, for Sarah. So sure enough, several painful days later, we wake up, uh, and Rachel says, Sarah, the swing set is here and so both Sarah and I like children on Christmas morning run to the back of the house where the window overlooks our backyard and we looked out there and both Sarah and I exclaimed where is it where's the swing set Rachel's like no 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 no! come over here and motions us to the front of the house and so I walked to the front of the house and We look out the window, and there we see, at the end of our driveway, a stack of boxes. Sarah's disappointment didn't nearly match my own when we realized that the swing set had not already been assembled and placed in our backyard. What I realized was that even though it had been delivered right to our front door, I was still going to have to put some work in if we wanted to enjoy this reward anytime before we died. So, I did what made the most sense to me. I called my brother-in-law Jeff. And then I was like because he's like the nicest person in the world. And then I was like, who else can I rope into this? And the biggest sucker I knew was JD, so I called JD. And I was like, "Yo, let's make a morning of it." grab something to drink, grab something to throw on the grill, come on over, let's crank this out in the morning, then we can celebrate in the afternoon. Morning turned into afternoon, and afternoon turned into evening, and 13 painful hours later, no, 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 y'all didn't feel me, 13 painful hours later, 13! 18 painful hours later, we had a swing set. It actually is this one that's pictured uh, on the screen right now. Uh, We built that. Thank you for those of you who said thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Yep, we did that. We did that. Um, But that night, what spoke to me more than my screaming back and my barking feet was the process we had gone through that day. I woke up that morning fully ready to receive our reward. I was disappointed to learn that it didn't come ready to go and it wasn't quite time to play, but that we had a long day of building ahead of us. Some of you already are hip to where I'm going. And while we were building, we honestly had no clue how far or close we were to the next step at any given time. And honestly, there were spots where it didn't even feel like we were making progress. But now that it's all said and done, there is a deeper feeling of accomplishment, appreciation, and joy every time kids come and play on this play set that we built. It's a daily reminder that we did not do this for us, but for our kids and for our community. This morning we're finishing up our series called For the Crown." As we have already discussed, this reward we are chasing in this life is God himself who gives himself to us freely. It is for us to anxiously await heaven, but also to see realized here today. Now that we know the reward of our salvation has been delivered to our doorsteps and that it is to be enjoyed both now and for eternity, in our final week we seek to answer this morning the question, Where? Where is my reward? If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, where we've been for the last couple weeks, where we'll finish our time today. Specifically, we're moving on from chapter 1 into chapter 2, and it's my favorite kind of day because we only have two verses to cover. I said we only have two verses to cover. Somebody should have said amen right there. So if you would, uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, or you're not comfortable with your ability to to stay off of social media during service time and don't want to look at your electronic device, feel free to look right up here on the screen as we dive into 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read just verses 4 and 5 here this morning. It says this, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Peter says, you are coming to Christ, and Christ is the living cornerstone. A cornerstone, for those of you who are like me and you have to Google stuff. A cornerstone is also known as a foundation stone. It's the stone, it's the first stone that you lay when you're building a foundation. This stone sets the tone, sets the course, if you will, for the rest of the stones to be laid in relation to it. It's the first one. If this one's off, then you've got no hope of the rest of your building being on It's not one of those things that as you screw in nails, like on that swing set, that it'll adjust itself in the end. That's not true. This is the cornerstone. It's the foundation stone. What Peter intends to communicate is that God is still building something here on earth. See, he's not done. He has not given up. He's not just readily sitting by a red button that at some unknown date he's going to push and everything's going to blow up. Rather, he's taking what he can on earth and he's building something. And the cornerstone of the foundation of that something is his son, Jesus Christ. He is preparing his final dwelling place, the place where our whole reward will be fully realized. The dwelling place of our reward is being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. This reminds me of a story that Jesus told one time. Jesus said there's, there were these two guys, and one of these guys... They, they, they both wanted to build a home, and one of these guys scouted the land first. And he went around and he decided that, that he was going to build his house over here on a solid sheet of rock. And so he spent time building his house, and he doesn't mention the materials necessarily, on this solid foundation of rock. But then there's another guy. There's another guy who says, yeah, but your house is on rock, dude. You got like a rock for a driveway. You got like a rock that your house is sitting on. I'm trying to have a beachfront property. I'm trying to have views. I'm trying to have people wanting to come to my house. I'm trying to wake up in the morning and smell the salt in the water. I want nicer things than all of that. Man, I got scared. Y'all see my leg go up? (laughs) I told you my biggest fear is something coming up behind me. He says, I want something nicer than that. I'm gonna build my house right here on the beach. Well, what are you gonna find on the beach? You're gonna find sand. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build my house right here on the sand. Well, it doesn't take someone too savvy with construction to know that ultimately a house built on sand will at some point or another cave like the one right here. You build your house with views in mind. You build your house with nice things in mind. You build your house with the materials that you think look the best in mind. And the very foundation will eventually come out from underneath you. And this is what you'll be left with. Jesus concludes one of the most famous sermons of all time with a choice for his audience. Jesus had just got done talking about how some of the ways of the kingdom seem counterintuitive. And he concludes, this is the climax if you will, with a choice. He says there's really only two choices. He draws a clean and clear divide between himself and any other foundation. A parable of a person putting his reward to work as opposed to a person who is not really building a life or legacy with Christ as the foundation. Notice Jesus says nothing about what the rest of the house is made of. Why do you think that is? Let's not get too deep with it. It's because it doesn't matter. Also notice, he doesn't talk about special climate adaptations. He doesn't say, this one built his house under the sun, while this one built his house in the tropics, because storms of this world hit both equally. There is only one question with two options. What is your foundation? Is it rock or is it sand? Is it the durability of the gospel or is it the total collapse of all other claims over time? Is it the longevity of our inheritance or is it the tragedy of being sent away? Is it rooted confidence found in the spirit of God or is it the conditional contentment found in the materials of this world? The point is not the sustainability of the building material, but the solidity of the foundation and the guarantee that when the elements of this world are thrown at us and they will be thrown at us, our foundation will remain. If you have not yet accepted the reward of your salvation this morning, allow me to please encourage you to do so. You may feel that you have been drowning. You may feel as if you have been tossed and turned and eventually thrown out by some things that just didn't quite go your way. You may be feeling as if you lost everything that you had worked your whole life to build in one storm. You may feel misplaced. You may feel as if this has cost you everything. You may just feel flat out lost. If any part of that touches you this morning, the truth I need you to hear is that you are meant to be found standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. That when the storm is finally over, when this tropical current finally passes and the debris settles, you are meant to be found not lying down, but standing strong on the only foundation that is meant to be remaining. You are meant to be found. Standing on Jesus as your foundation. As you will find through the rest of our passage in 1 Peter, yeah, Jesus was the stone that was rejected. Yeah, he wasn't very popular when he was on earth. Isn't it interesting that we love him so much more today, allegedly, in our culture than he was loved back then? Perhaps the only reason that we can agree with Jesus now is because we are not actively listening to his voice. Yeah, he was not popular. He did not fit people's political views back then. He did not fit people's sociological expectations of a Messiah back then. He did not fit somebody's economic box that they wanted to see the Savior pop up in. He was rejected. But as you read in later texts in 1 Peter, he is upheld. He is Still going. He is the one that God has held up and will continue to hold up for all eternity. Now, he is the cornerstone of what God is building and what God will allow to remain through the end of what we understand as time. If you would like to be left standing in the end to enjoy the reward we've been talking about for the past few weeks, then come to Jesus this morning. Come to Jesus. Claim him as the cornerstone of your life. Own the fact that on our own, what we have built may look okay for now, but will eventually cave. What we need is not better building materials. What we need is a cornerstone. come to the cornerstone this morning god is building something greater than anyone or anything in this world can give you and peter adds to all that as if that wasn't incredible enough peter adds to it he says and you you got to read this in the greek because it's even it's even better in its original text it says Even you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Even you. Peter is playing on the fact that Christ has every right to be seen as the foundation. He has every right to be a cornerstone. But even you get to be a part of what God is building. Making clear that apart from God, we are not that special. We're not that great. Oftentimes we like to boast, but without God knowing our value and Christ redeeming our dirty selves, we're all just rocks that are dead in our sin. You ever see Charlie Brown Halloween? If you didn't, let me give you the synopsis. All the kids, including Charlie go house to house, knock on doors, trick or treat, and they get boatloads of candy. And then afterwards, one person's like, I got this. Then another person's like, I got this piece of candy. Another person's like, I got king size. And then it pans to Charlie, and he's like, I got a rock. (laughs) But I bet if somebody dropped a rock in his bag, and when he looked inside of it, all of a sudden, that rock started moving. All of a sudden, that rock started shouting. All of a sudden, that rock had feelings and emotions and power behind it. All of a sudden, that rock got up and looked at Charlie Brown. If he didn't drop his bag and run the other way, he'd probably be like, yo, come check this out. Yo, I got a flipping rock. Like a living Rock, this rock, this rock can move. This rock can talk. Do I even understand anything correctly anymore? I got a talking rock. It's God that made us interesting. And because of that, He knows our true value to His kingdom. So he sent his son to brush us off after years of being trampled over because we were ordinary, and then he sent his spirit to go ahead and breathe some life. That's pretty incredible. In the fall of 2015, Rachel and I moved into, our, uh, into a new house, the house that we still currently live in, and moving stinks. Amen, Malone students? Y'all just moved in. Amen? Moving stinks, man. And what's funny is, what's funny is, like, when you go through college, like, my four years of college, every time I went off to move in somewhere new, I, like, each year I had less and less stuff moving in, right? But when you get married, and then moreover when you have children, like, the exact opposite happens, where every time you go to move something, you're like, man, where the heck did that come? I don't even know. We had this. Like, where did— And all of a sudden, you just keep accumulating stuff. Moving stinks. And so we're moving, and honestly, the only thing that was getting me through, coincidentally, I suckered my brother-in-law Jeff into helping us with that too. Sorry, Jeff. Um, But the only thing that got me motivated, kept me moving through the day, is I was super excited to set up one room in particular. At the time, it was the front room. The front room was going to be what was both my office slash, more importantly, man cave. I was real excited about that I had the the, the, the TV stand that was going to go in a certain spot i had the I had the uh, bigger TV that I was going to put you know right there and and then i, got, I also had like you know a, an xbox for for you know never ever distracting me from my actual work but like you know to play two k and stuff because I need to and and, and, and I, had, I had the little like sound bar thing, and I had all this stuff. I had the perfect setup in mind, and I could not wait to, to, to go ahead and unpack everything. So I got in that room, and I set everything up. I got the power strip out that's got—you know those power strips I'm talking about with like 16 outlets because for whatever reason, walls come with two, and you're like, what kind of setup is this? I need like 18. And so you, you, you bring yourself a power strip, and I plugged everything in. Everything's all correct, and I'm like, this is it. Hey Amen. This is the moment I've been waiting for. I grabbed that remote, and I hit the power button. Nothing came on. I'm like, what? Come on, Corey. You're tired. You messed this up. Come on. Go back and check again. I go through this whole process, check my work again. I did it all right. Everything's plugged in correctly, but you know what? This power strip, it kind of got dirty in the move, and so let me go ahead and grab a rag. Let me brush that off a little bit. Let me clean it off, because maybe there's something in there. Maybe there's some kind of dust that's blocking the power source. Like, maybe there's something that's going on, so let me clean it off. I unplugged everything, cleaned everything, plugged it all back in. I'm like, this is it. Here we go. Click the power button. Nothing. Nothing. And by this time, I'm getting frustrated, because If this setup doesn't work, all I've got is a bunch of heavy equipment that looks nice but ultimately serves no purpose. And people can come look at how nice my things are but can't do nothing with them. So Rachel, after a while, by this point had learned the hard way of some of the quirks of the electrical work in our house. And she said, well... Did you try this? And out in the hallway, not in the room, but out in the hallway, there was this switch. And she flipped it on and then there it is. Everything came on. Heaven touched that front room. And it was amazing. By flipping a switch. See, we can have all the nicest pieces. We can give the appearance of a dope setup. We can even have all of our wires appropriately aligned, plugged in and in order. But if there is no power, It's all useless. Jesus was there when we were wired with everything we need in the beginning to serve God's purpose. And it was Jesus again who wiped the dirt and dust of our sin away from our lives, clearing out the blockage to the power source. And it was Jesus that delivered on his promise to flip the switch and give us power by filling us believers with The Holy Spirit. Now the reward is found within us. Now the reward has been made alive. Before we were just a dead heavy piece of equipment. But now we are a living stone. Ready to be used in what God is building on this earth. We round out verse 5 with what's more... Peter, I'm exhausted. More than that, what's more than that is you are his holy priests. You are a royal priesthood. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you are able to offer spiritual sacrifices that are, like, pleasing to God. God's temple is no longer a giant Physical building built to hold temporary rewards. God's temple that He is building now is a place that is alive. It's a place where the people are the building blocks and it moves. It's a place wherever there are people gathered to welcome God's presence, God's healing, God's power, etc. It's a group of people that offer sacrifices like the priests used to in the Old Testament, but now the sacrifices look a little different. It's sacrifices of our bodies for His service. It's sacrifices of giving gifts and even money to enable the spread of the gospel. It's singing of praise and doing good and sharing our possessions with each other. And we do these things so that when people encounter us, What they're actually encountering is not an immovable stone, but the living kingdom of God on earth. We do these things so that people may experience the reward of their salvation too. It's no longer the building that lets people know God is here and the reward is available, it's the people. That's the reason why I speak the way that I speak. That's the reason our worship teams lead the way that they lead. That's why some of y'all shout the way that y'all shout. Because 3rd Street is not a building made of some dead whitewashed brick. We are a people. We are a people that is powered by the Holy Spirit. We are people put together by the perfect designer. And by the way, the designer likes to use a lot of different colors and shapes. We are a people who are recipients of God's ultimate rewards ourselves. And we get to take that with us where we go so that it may be offered freely to those around us. That should have you feeling some type of way. We're meant to be on the move. We're meant to spread to all areas of our community. We're meant to bring light to everything we touch and every place that we go. Amen. Yeah. By placing the reward within his people and by using his people to build his kingdom on earth, God guarantees. The mobility of both his dwelling place, a place where people are healed, and his good news so that it may be free and accessible to everybody. I have this vision of God hovering over Canton. can't see it as well over there. Look over there. I have this vision of God hovering over the city of Canton in the end times. Now, just to be clear, a quick disclaimer, this is in no way me imparting an eschatological view that I actually think will literally happen, and I need you to believe this. It's just a vision. It's meant to be a metaphor. But I have this vision of God standing over Canton in the end times, and he instructs his angels. He says, wherever you see darkness, I need you to go build there. Because I need this whole place to be lit. I need this whole place to be light. And so wherever you see darkness, I need you to go build right there. And the angels turn and look at God, and they're like, all right, we got it, but but why just where there's darkness? Where What are those lights that we see? And God says, well, that's where my people have already built my kingdom. You see that spot right there? That's that's this place called the Martin Center. And there's these crazy people that call themselves Third Street after a geographical location, which is weird to some, but they're just crazy enough to actually believe that their light there could actually spread to the neighborhood around them. A neighborhood that People have long just xed off the map because it is so dark. And that spot over there, that's Malone University, where students don't just go to school, but they repurpose their education to be trained to go out and serve my purpose wherever they've been placed, in whatever field they've been placed. And, oh yeah, they welcome some people that don't really look like them and some people that didn't really grow up like them. And while they're there to just play sports or whatever... They show them my light. Yeah. That spot over there—that's this. That's this dope barbershop where if I needed my haircut, I would go. It's called Chester's Mop Shop, and every time that every time that somebody's in the chair getting cut up, you can guarantee that they're receiving the word, and the, uh, the word, and this place over here is called it's called Hartford Middle School, and, 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 and man, it, it was wild in the day, but now I got my people all over that joint, and that's where I live now, and, 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 and this place over here is called Crossover Academy, it started as like a home school, but now it's, and this place over here, this is where the Chesters live, and this is where, this is where Sly and Sylvia live, and this is where Marcus and Chelsea live, and this is where Corey and Rachel live, and this is where, you get the picture, right? Living stones that can show light to the dark world around it. That's the vision that we have for this city. I actually do believe that that is possible and that we will see that someday. But for today, here at 3rd Street, we believe that just like that swing set I mentioned in the beginning, the reward of our salvation has been brought right to our doorsteps. Using the tools we were empowered with when we received that reward, we intend to build a home for our Lord to dwell in hopes that his presence seen through us will draw this city out of darkness looming over our streets and into the light that will be left shining in the end. And yes, it's going to continue to be a long process with lots of hard work. But we do it because the reward we already have received compels us to so that others may find their reward when they wander into what looks like an old school building on city plot 1253 located on 3rd Street Southeast.